Do you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring, Restoring Your, your Voice. Welcome to another episode of Restoring Your Voice. Me, your host, Pastor David. So glad that you could join us. Why am I saying us? Because this is Tuesday. You'll be watching this interview. So we've got uh, Linda on. Uh, we're going to be talking about all these stuff. That's, what's she doing in Haiti and all the stuff God is doing? And anyways, uh, real quick before I get started, of course, hey, if you want to support us, support the, the ministry and all that, hey, there's two ways you can do it down in the, the description. We have PayPal, we have Venmo, we have Cash App, all links down there if you so uh, feel like you want to help out. Also, don't forget to check out the website, davidcmaguire.org. All right, everything in one place that you need to include blogs and newsletters, so don't forget to sign up. So with that, I'm going to bring on my guest. Welcome to the show, Linda. Hello. All right, so we finally got this going. So so glad that you, you could get this going on. All right. Hello. So before we get going in, I guess, of course, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the ministry that you're doing? Tell people a little bit about myself? Yeah. Oh, who ministry. cares about me? Nobody cares about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about what I'm doing. You can see some kids behind me. Uh, some of them I can actually hear upstairs right now that just walked in the door from school. So it's a pretty cool story that uh, the children that are behind me in a picture, literally I met them in an orphanage or a makeshift orphanage in the country of Haiti. I met them in 2011 when my family, which had recently grown to the size of seven on the 17th day of the seventh month of the year 2007, uh, out of a big, big tragedy. So my very best friend, uh, her life was taken on this earth. Uh, in a horrible, horrible manner. That whole story is in our very first book called Peanut Butter Crackers and Flip Flops, mm. um, if you want to know the details of that. So I'll spare that. But anyways, that that tragedy ended me up with five Haitian children overnight uh, who were ages seven to 17. If you know anything about the Bible, the number seven is all about perfection and completion. Mm. So either God was smack dab in the middle of that, or he just made it happen that way so I could remember. <laughs> so <laughs> After receiving those children, that was uh, one of the reasons that I went to the country of Haiti, uh, not for any godly purposes, but because I felt like I had taken those children in and they weren't very grateful to me. So I thought, well, I'll fix their, their heinies. I will take them to Haiti and show them what this amazing woman that I am, how I saved them from such a horrible place. And instead, God completely wrecked my world. Mm -hmm. And in one of the ways that he wrecked them was with this group of children right here. And they, uh, like I said, were in a makeshift orphanage. This was the year after the devastating earthquake. I mean, since then, we've had so many more. But right. uh, that was the one that killed millions and millions of people. Um, and then, you know, Haiti is known as the country of orphans raising orphans. So on this Christmas trip, uh, on actually on Christmas Day, I was in this orphanage with these kids singing. And uh, I literally felt like I I've never felt before in my entire life. It was my first experience with miracles. It was an amazing experience with the Holy Spirit. And I literally watched children who had nothing 
okay? No running water, no electricity, nothing. And yet they stood before me on Christmas day and sang in five different languages, the song, This Little Light of Mine. Hmm. And I felt like Jesus Christ himself tapped me on the shoulder and said, Linda, what you're watching that you can't wrap your mind around is the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord you have, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what material things you have or don't have. And I just, I just kept thinking to myself, they must not know that they, you know, this is Christmas. They don't have a tree. They don't have gifts. They don't have clothes. They must not get it. Mm. And Jesus just really made it very clear to me that day, Linda, you ain't got it. <laughs> You're the one girlfriend that ain't got no joy of, your, of the Lord. And I walked out of that orphanage that day, a completely different chick. And I told the man that brought us there, I said, you know, somebody ought to bring those kids to the United States. I said, you're probably not going to believe this, but everybody I know in the United States, they've got running water. They've got electric. They have everything they need. If they don't have everything they need, there is a government program that is willing to provide it for them. Right. Right. And I mean, most of my friends have everything they want, but they ain't happy. They don't got no joy. You know, they're complaining about something all of the time. Mm. And that man that took us there, he said, you know, mommy, Linda, it's funny because I never wanted to be a mom. I didn't like kids. I still, I still have my days where I don't like kids, but that's what they call me in Haiti, mommy, Linda. He said, you know, mommy, Linda, every American I've ever brought here to hear these kids sing, they all say the same thing, but nobody's ever done anything about it. And so David, we left we left Haiti. We came back to America and pretty much I sat around the table with my five new kids. And I was like, you know, what was that trip to Haiti? Was that like a one-time thing or what are we going to do about it? Are we going to go back? Or we, that was just for this Christmas. And my youngest daughter at the time, uh, I have many more kids now, but my youngest daughter at that time, Jazzy, she said, Oh, mommy, Linda, we don't have a choice. Those kids are counting on us. Hmm. And so for the next, we never spent another traditional Christmas in America. Every year we went back to Haiti and for like three or four years, you know, I kept saying to these kids, I'd really like to bring you to the States. But I mean, I was a real estate investor, right? <laughs> I didn't know anything about a choir. I didn't know anything about singing. And so finally I had reached out to every major organization I could find that had any type of a footprint in Haiti. And a lot of people raised money for Haiti. Just saying, a lot of people. And everyone I shared the story with, they were like, you're an idiot. And if you think the Haitian government and the United States government is going to work together for you to bring an entire orphanage from Haiti to the United States, you know, I don't know whose money you're spending, but you need to stop because it's never going to happen. And so finally, I thought about this and I realized, you know, God loves orphans. He even Mm -hmm. says in James 127, real religion that God considers pure and faultless is not to pray, not to go to church on Sunday, not to do your quiet time in the morning, but it's to help widows and orphans who are in a hot mess. I thought, you know what? I might have the secret right here underneath my thumb. So I told the kids, um, I think it was like the fourth trip back. I said, you know what? You guys start praying. You guys have God's ear. If anybody can make it happen, you can make it happen. So the rest of that story, again, is in our first book. And suffice it to say this, in 2016, those 30 kids got on a Delta flight. They flew to the United States of America, which right now might not seem like that big of a deal because of the way things are happening. But then you had to have a visa to come into the country. And to have a visa, you had to have a passport. And to have a passport, you had to have a birth certificate. 
And to have a birth certificate, you had to know when your birthday was. Hmm. Well, the children that you see behind me, they were the only members of their family that were pulled out from underneath the rubble of that earthquake. We didn't know when they were born. The whole, the whole government of Haiti collapsed. It wasn't like you could run down to the courthouse and get a birth certificate. That's the level we started at with trying to get these kids here was actually coming up with birthdays. And yet they came, they sang from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, all the way up to the White House. We did it three years in a row. We did a 16, 17 and 18 summer tour. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. We had eight bus, you talk about spiritual warfare. We had eight buses break down on the way to the airport to pick us up in Atlanta. <laughs> Uh, we had $120 in our bank account when they first came. And yet my prayer was that exactly what happened to me when I was sitting on that urine stained day bed in their orphanage in 2011 on Christmas and God completely wrecked my life. That was my prayer was that everywhere we went, it would be like a reverse mission trip. And that's exactly what happened. Everywhere we went, lives were changed. Miracles started happening. I was dealing with things I had never experienced before. And I can share some of that with you later. But the, the amazing, so many amazing parts about that. And really the whole story is a miracle. It was a miracle that they came here. It was a miracle that they got to come back three years in a row. It was a miracle that now 22 of those 30 children had the opportunity to stay here in the United States of America legally on student visas. We have them right now, all the way up and down the East Coast from sixth grade all the way to juniors in college. And fast forward, here we are 10 years later. We have six locations in Haiti. We care for thousands of children. We have orphanages, schools, vocational schools, guest houses, pastors. And David, we opened a hospital in the middle of a global pandemic in the country of Haiti which is unheard of while everything else was shutting down, we ended up opening our doors. So that's where we are today. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's the condensed version of love him, love them. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> wow, I mean, whew, so many miracles, right? So many miracles. And I mean, the miracle, I guess you didn't, <clears throat> another miracle is you didn't give up when quit look good you know that is true and you know god that's what this book is about so this book just came out it's called choir of angels and it talks about how 30 orphans changed their world forever and now they can change yours and this talks about it's kind of like what happens in la stays in la what happened on our tour stayed on our tour mostly because nobody would have believed us hmm. so we we learned about three days into our tour that we were dealing with demonic manifestations. Uh, I didn't know what that was. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church and I really feel like I had read the book of Acts, but apparently I thought it was a fairy tale. I don't know. Um, so I sought out every sort of medical uh, help I could, uh, neurologists, uh, people that could try to help us with what in the world was happening with these children. And I'll, I'll just fast forward to you if you want to know the details of that. Um, again, it is in this book and it's available anywhere books are sold or you can get it on our website at lovehimlovethem.org. But uh, suffice it to say this, I, I lived out the book of Acts. I lived out the book of Acts. I tried the best I could to find anyone in the world 
that could cast out demons, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what I finally realized I was dealing with. Uh, we learned that several of the children in the that we had brought here had actually been raised up to take over voodoo ministries mm. in the country, and we were fighting against a demonic realm of people in Haiti that were not happy that we had brought those kids here. They were not, they were jealous. They were, uh, they did, they felt like they should have come and not the children. And then on top of that, they were not happy with the fact that we were, what we were doing here, the fact that we were sharing Jesus and we were evangelizing. Mm. So I, uh, you know, the, the book is called choir of angels. I wanted to call it, don't worry. It'll never happen again. <laughs> because every place I went and everyone I reached out to, they would simply present the gospel to these children. And then they would tell me, you know, don't worry, it'll never happen again. Mm. And then right around 1130 or midnight, uh, we would go through these horrible, horrible scenarios that we went through. And so um, now I can cast out demons. So if you need, <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> If you're go. in Georgia or if you're anywhere and you need those out. Uh, I mean, the, the really ironic part about that is literally just before I came on this podcast with you, um, we were offered our own television show. So we just now, we just announced it on Facebook before we came on, before I came on with you today. Uh, we are on Abundant TV. We have a show called Miracles with Mommy Linda. And then we also have Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner. And so um, we are able to share specific miracles of blind eyes opening uh people being able to walk that have been paralyzed for two and a half years uh, just just things that are happening not only on the choir tour but are, that are happening today in our daily lives nice i mean i ah. believe in all the miracles you know today um i wasn't really raised in church so i didn't really have any bias toward or against um i believe all of them are for today i believe you know everything uh you know whatever you want you know cast out demons heal the sick raise the dead all that's for today full operation um because that's what the bible tells me you know number one place is is, is the bible tells me that and so it, it wouldn't matter on personal experience because the bible tells me so and uh i, I love i love hearing this and um man this is in a way part part of your story is heartbreaking that you had all these quote-unquote christian organizations but willing to do really not much at all but, right but I'm, right. I'm so you know obviously you stepped in because you you know you, you just were talking about how <clears throat> you're like well maybe answers me you know maybe i need to start doing and you start looking at you know up you're like wait 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 i think i think i think a lot of people end up missing that in the, in the christian walkers they look everywhere else when when the answer is staring them right back in the face from in the mirror, you know? Amen. Amen. Because if something bothers you, why does it bother you? It bothers you for you to do something about it. Right. Right. What bothers me may not bother you. You know, what bothered me was whenever I first went into that orphanage and I had to walk past a pile of trash with a goat and a pig and two kids rifling through the trash, all with the same goal in mind. That messed me up. And, you know, a lot of times, especially even I remember my husband on our first trip back, he was like, Linda, there's no point in us helping here. I mean, it's like spitting in the ocean. Mm. You know, there's too, there's just too much. But, you know, that story about the starfish, when you see all the starfish on the side and you're like, should I go and throw them back into the ocean? It's just not going to make a difference. It's not going to matter. Well, it matters to that one starfish <laughs> and it matters to these children. 
And the, the amazing part now is that we have invested and invested and invested in these kids. And now some of them are going to be able to invest in others. So it's going to be a legacy. You know, the other part too, I think, David, about um, a big mess. You know, my, when my friend passed away, it was a very, very big mess all over the news, the, the, the whole thing, a very hot mess. But, you know, when you let the Messiah into your mess, then all of a sudden it can become your message. And that's mm. what's happened to us. Uh, the people want miracles. But when you think about it, we talked about this before. You have to have a hot mess for God to come in to perform a miracle right? If your life is amazing and everything's wonderful, you don't need a miracle. And so we have to realize that a lot of times God, why things happen, how they happen, how we get into the particular situation where we need the miracle is always different, but he is still willing to come in and perform the miracle in any way, shape or form. Mm. Yeah. I wonder though. So, I mean, clearly, you know, lots of miracles, of course, lots of resistance, but that's cool. I mean, kind of, goes hand in hand but you know i know you're talking about well everything's good you don't need a miracle right i wonder i wonder if that's if that's a lot of problem here in the american church why we don't <laughs> see more miracles happening because for a, a, a lot of people everything's going good right yeah why look, you know why, why, why look to god when everything's going good i mean i got you know whatever you know check 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 the box you are 100 correct and you know that's why it's so easy for people that go to third world countries on mission trips, et cetera. They see all of this evil. They see voodoo. They see uh, astral projecting. They find out about all these in insane things. And they're like, well, why does that? Not oh yeah. Miracles only happen in Haiti. Miracles only happen in Africa. That's, that's over there. Well, the fact of the matter is Satan doesn't have to work nearly as hard in America, right? We're all so deceived anyways. <laughs> We wouldn't know if it, well, we don't know if it hits us flat in the face. We've got Harry Potter. We, you want, I mean, when our kids were here for the choir tour and Halloween hit America, mm -hmm. they were walking into places like Walmart, just, just regular restaurants, et cetera, McDonald's. And they were like, why would they have, these are things that they've seen in Haiti right. uh, in the middle of a voodoo spell. And now we've got these stores that have got them all hung up. Why, why, what's going on, mommy Linda? What is happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were, um, it's just unbelievable the fact that we cannot, we don't see it, you know, and even True. in America, we, 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 we medicate spiritual problems. True. We medicate spiritual problems and you can't do that. You know, depression, anxiety. Uh, we, uh, one of my daughters came home the other day and she's, uh, she had, I had allowed her to go skating with a friend and she came back and she said, you know, my friend couldn't go into the skating rink because she just had too much anxiety. And I'm like, she's 12. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wow. And I was like, so we spent like the next two hours going through what does the Bible say about anxiety? But David, you are so correct. We are so desensitized in the United Phew. States of America that uh, Satan really does not have to work very hard. You know, one of the parts of our concerts uh, when we were on tour was we went out and prayed. The children would go out into the congregation and choose someone to pray. They'd sing a song. I pray for you. You pray for me. They had a bracelet, which by the way, this is our beauty for ashes jewelry line. Ooh, uh, nice. This, this jewelry is made out of trash in Haiti from paper beads, but they had a bracelet that had their name on it and had love him, love them. So they would pray for the person and then they, they would take their bracelet off, give it to the person and say, okay, I prayed for you. Now you pray for me. And that's where the miracles were happening. 
But here's the funny part. During that part of the concert, we would have to beg the kids to come back to stage. And people were like, I can't believe these kids won't stop praying. You know, I've never had to tell my kids <laughs> to stop praying. I've never had to tell my grandkids, hey, come on, stop praying. And I said, yeah, I said, but that's because in America, we pray out of duty or obligation. Hmm. When you're living in an orphanage in Haiti and you're praying to your dad, that's the only person that's going to be able to help you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't pray and then go put a Facebook post up. You don't pray and then go call your mother-in-law for the check. When you're in Haiti and you're praying and you need something, you're reaching out and seeking out in a way that's called effective and fervent prayer of a righteous person. That's why it avails much. Right. And so even the way we pray and the way we ask God for things is different in a third world country for those who are, are professed to be Christians than they are here. And you know, the other thing too is, what about in America when we say we are gonna become a believer? You know, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this, but in most churches, it's like, okay, raise your hand. Go for it, go uh, for it. All right, y'all raised your hand, that's good. Now, now, you know, you don't have to come forward. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell, you know, are you serious? And we've got people in other countries that are risking their lives to be to become a believer i mean in haiti when i've led several voodoo priests to the lord and their whole downline as i call it they don't call it a downline but that's what i call it when you when you uh renounce satanism or renounce voodoo in haiti it is a big big deal right because people can come after you now so we're we have people risking their lives around the world and then we have people in america who say they're christians because they raised their hand when they were seven and they've had no change in their life. They don't, oh. they don't, they're no old passed away. No new, no, yeah. I mean, it's just not happening. No, I'm, I'm on board. I mean, not only do I, I mean, I've been around the world. I was in the army 20 years. I've been to Iraq a number of times. So I know firsthand experience with what this is. And I, and I, in fact, I just uh, interviewed not too long ago, a guy named uh, Brad Brandon. He operates in Northern Nigeria, you know? Oh, wow. So, so you become a Christian there. And it, and it becomes known like they they're they're literally going to everybody and their brother is going to come after you and kill you if they can. Exactly. So, but so here, that, if, if we have the sniffles or don't feel good or somebody wakes up with a headache, we, we, uh, we really don't need to go worship. No, it, it's true because you're <laughs> right. There's no change. You're right. Right. The typical the typical service in a church, which, by the way, let me let me since you're getting in trouble, let me get in trouble, too, and call it cause some controversy. Might church, we'll do it together. Church, church is not for the unbeliever. Church is for the believers. Right. Uh, right. The, the primary place we should be evangelizing is outside the walls of the church. Yes. And then we bring them in to get discipled. So one Praise that, God, one, because no, most people don't want to come to church in right. America because they've been to one. Right. And, <laughs> or they've and, met and, someone that says they're a Christian. And and the thing is, right, there's no change, right? I mean, how many people, right? You know, that, you're right, you're right, right? The typical thing is raise your hand, call everybody with, you know, I head bowed, eyes closed. Okay, who wants to use raise your hand, right? So now we got what well, secret there's no such thing as a secret Christian. There's no change, right? There's nothing. Nobody's set free of anything, right? We got exactly. Oh, good point. Medicare every day, and I know this from experience because I dealt with PTSD for 15 years, right? Nobody in the church ever told me I could be free. Absolutely, you can. And then, and then one day, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the story, but uh, you know, January 2019, sitting in my red chair in a tiny apartment, I said, "Jesus, I'm done listening to the world. I only want to listen to you." He set me free instantly of PTSD, like that. Amen. Threw away my psychiatric meds. Uh, uh, cold turkey. And I try to tell people, I'm like, this is normative stuff. There's not, there was nothing special about me for that to happen. I'm not super anointed or some super special. Calling. No, it's because of what you believed. Right. It's because it, like what you just said, it's in the Bible 
and I believe it. Exactly. And, and that's right, because where does it say in the Bible that we, I, my, I'm going to allow my son to die a criminal's death on the cross to forgive you for your sins and to heal you. Oh, except for PTSD. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I believe that. And but I, Satan says, David, you're bound. Right. There, there is no, there is no cure for this. Right. You need to take, again, you need to medicate yourself. And because of the spiritual demonic realm and those voices that we hear, what are those mm -hmm. voices? Those voices are the demons. Satan took a third of them out of heaven with him. Right. They're, they're working overtime. They're very organized. They're a lot more organized than most churches are. Just look at Ephesians 6. It tells you exactly how it's laid out. Right. But the other issue, David, is we don't know what the Bible says. No, most it's true. Christians, if you ask them, you can direct them and tell them like it's in John 30 and they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, there is no John 30, but we, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what the word says. No, it's true. And, and then those are those, those, those who say they know what the word says, but they, they, they make it such a complicated way. Right. Oh, and they try to unpack it. And, and I don't mind a deep Bible teaching. I don't mind that, but I don't want anything to do with it when we lose the simplicity of scripture. Right. Right. We here in America, we, we have got to dissect every little thing there is to dissect, right? right. I mean, I will we'll unpack this and, and get into this and get into the historical content, la, la, la. Right. And, and all the time, nothing happens. But you go to right. a place like Haiti, where, where, where that's all they know. They don't have a, a great theologian with some fancy degree from, I don't know, Dallas Theological Seminary. Right. So you just remember? believe what the Bible says. Right. You just believe it period and that's it yeah i mean you talk about this childlike well i just have yeah, childlike faith right here they're just praying for everybody like we're not gonna stop praying we were like wow i can't believe they pray so much and it's like well you probably have the attitude because you don't even have a prayer life yourself you exactly know? right yeah. and, and we i mean and we had groupies after that because there were many people we had one guy i remember he was a alcoholic for 17 years i'll never forget christopher was the one who went out and prayed for him and literally that night, the guy, I mean, we, every night after concerts, we would get emails and phone calls and all sorts of stuff. He was like, I, I haven't had, I, I've drank every night for 17 years. I haven't had a drink. I think it was that little boy praying for me. It's like, yeah, it's called set free. It's called bondage. It's called being broken. Cancer that was healed. Uh, um, oh, I can't think of the cancer that starts with a P. Pancreatic cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stage four, gone. Esophagus cancer, gone. Uh, blind eyes open. I mean, you know, because of the childlike faith, because they, they weren't praying because of whatever they were praying because they believed what right. they were saying. And that's all God asks us to do. I mean, he says, for those of you who are sick, call on the leaders of the church, let them come anoint you with oil. Why don't we all have oil in our pocket? Hello. Right. Anoint it with oil. Not only will you be healed, but your sins will be forgiven. That's like mm -hmm. a bonus round. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Cause it all says about confess your sins one to another and all that goes into it. And uh, that's like, why don't we do that? You know, um, because we're I, disobedient. We're just like right. my kids. are. I told my daughter last night, don't change that radio station. I went up this morning, she changed the radio station. And it's so funny how angry I get and how disappointed I am. And then I sit there and think how many things just between last night and this morning, did God tell you to do that? You didn't do Linda. Right. We're disobedient. That's true. We, that's true. We, we don't want to be quick to obey if we don't fully understand. And that is the, that is the true key. You know, there's two things. They're so simple. Like you say, spiritual warfare, to be very honest with you, is so simple. It's do what the word of God says and don't listen to the voices of the devil. Right. Don't listen to the lies. Just do what the truth says. 
and don't listen to the lies. If you do that, you're, you're on top of the spiritual warfare, period. Mm-hmm. And the other part is be quick to obey. When you hear the Holy Spirit, do what he tells you to do. Because the, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are roaming all around the earth. He's looking for somebody that's got their heart turned toward him so he can use them. He's got all these people that are praying and we're the answer to their prayers. Jesus is not here anymore. There's a little news flash for you. He's seated at the right hand of the father. We're the ones that we always, you always hear this. It's like on a bumper sticker on your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. I want the, I'm the hands and feet of Jesus. No, you're not. You're not. Yeah, exactly. You're not, you're not doing what the, you you're hearing what the Holy spirit says and you're, and you're hearing the other voices and you're listening to the other voices instead of what the Holy spirit's telling you to do. And instead of being quick to obey, go speak to that person, go call this person, go encourage this person. When you're getting gas and you're looking across there and there's someone that's suicidal, you can see it in their eyes. Go talk to them. I mean, we, we don't want to be quick to obey. Right. Because we want to fully understand the whole entire plan. I mean, if you're headed to Walmart and God tells you to go to target, you right. should be you should be willing to go to target even though you don't know why true i i i completely agree and uh you know i know some of you say well well pastor why don't we talk about evangelism outside the walls what are you doing and i'm like people you don't have no idea how many times i pray for people in the middle of a walmart parking lot like, right I, I'm as, talking about- because what does deuteronomy tell us as you go right as you go is how we present the gospel. Here's yeah. a headliner for you. If you're if you're in Walmart, I love to use Walmart because everybody goes to Walmart. If you're in Walmart and somebody's in a wheelchair, guess what? They need healing. You don't have to have a red flag over top of them. Actually, if they're in line at the pharmacy, they need healing, hmm. right? So, I mean, how easy is it when you're walking past somebody in a wheelchair that says, what's going on? Why are you in the wheelchair? Oh, cause I blah, 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 blah. Great. Let me pray for you. You know, Mark 16, 17, there's, or I don't say that. I say there's a verse in the Bible that say, for those of us who believe we can lay our hands on the sick and they'll be healed. And only one time out of probably 7,482 has somebody looked at me and said, absolutely not get away from me. Yeah. Uh-uh. Every other time tears stream down their face, whoever's, whoever's pushing them around tears stream down their face. People that are walking past are like, oh my gosh, I should have done that. I mean, it is a, it is a, moving moving moment oh, right yeah and then when they get up and out of the wheelchair and walk now what <laughs> <laughs> it's it's powerful it is it is uh, it is absolutely like you know um a simplicity you know just praying I, I don't know i think i think we got a lot of uh how do i call this i don't know a lot of pride a lot of whatever we look down our noses at people oh, why are they like that like well and you know you're not so great and if you surely are saved well you weren't so great before you were saved anyways it's all the work of christ in you so so and christ never asked by the way before i mean yeah i know his healing did lead to their salvation yes absolutely but he didn't ask oh well do you believe i'm a messiah and then beforehand no uh, no 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 no. god will jesus loved to heal non-believers that was part of it and that led to their salvation right thank you who told you that god wouldn't heal a non-believer that's not true. Correct. Yep. Did some, oh, okay. I thought you said that. No, no, no. No, I was saying, I was saying he 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 didn't ask the unbeliever, like, oh, do you believe I'm the Messiah? Or no, no, ask no, 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 no. questions, right? That they, they he just simply healed them. He knew they needed to be healed and he did it. And they Absolutely. were and then they, they, they received them afterwards. But he yeah. wasn't like, I'm sorry, you got to be washed by my blood first. No, he didn't ever do any of that. No, 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 right? no, no, no. That he, was the whole point. That was like the, the hook, line, and sinker of the healing. Right. Okay, now you want to know who I am? Yeah, I mean. Exactly. 
right yeah uh, I, I don't I, I was like what well why don't we see more salvations here why are we seeing people um whatever the the number of christians dwindling in the church well because we're not going out there being the hands like you you pointed out right the hand we're not being the hands and feet of jesus mm-hmm. i mean how many how many people in america actually know anything about their neighbors like li- right. their literal neighbors you know living yeah, not samaritan's purse but the ones who literally live I mean, not not Samaritan's story, not the good Samaritan story of the good neighbor, right. but their actual neighbors, right? Yeah, exactly. How, how many people even know them? You know, um, I guarantee because I'm like, why? And it just, I don't know, it, it, it's grievous to me. Um, it, it really is that, that we don't reach out. We can't even, like I said, we don't even reach out to our next door neighbors, uh, say a word to them about, about anything, you know? Right. Well, uh, and I think the big problem with that is that most, when you said earlier, it's pride, we want to look down on people. I think there's another form of pride also is that we don't feel, we don't know what our identity is. Mm-hmm. So we don't have our identity in Christ. We, uh, so it's like, I don't really know the whole Bible. And, you know, I watched something on TV last night. I shouldn't have watched and I haven't confessed that sin. And really, I'm not really living a good life as it is. And, you know, if they, if they've seen my Facebook page or my social media, they're probably not going to believe me anyway. So I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough. And so I think the majority of Christians feel like they have, I, who did I just have a conversation? Oh, just this morning with the, I'm not going to tell you who it was. That would be wrong. But a, a lady that said, you know, I haven't reached out to this person or said anything because I don't really feel like I'm good enough yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, does, does God need to put Jesus back on the cross again? Because you're never going to, I don't know what you think you have. You can't do anything to be good enough. You're, that's not the way it works. You know, so Satan has us deceived. And so I I really believe that there are many, many people that think that the reason they can't tell their neighbors about Jesus is because maybe their neighbors have seen how they are. Maybe they've cussed their neighbors out or maybe they haven't been Christ-like to their neighbors. And so they feel like because they're not good enough, they can't then present the gospel, which, you know, you're probably too young to remember this, but back in the day, we used to do this Bible study called Building Witnessing Relationships. It was called BWR. And the whole premise of that was, like you say, get to know your neighbors, just be a nice person. Hey, how are you? Just talk nice to them. You know, and once you, because people want to buy from and get from people that they know, love and trust, Hmm. right? So, I mean, you don't go knock on the door the first thing and say, I've got John 316 here. Yeah, well, really, I'm eating dinner, so I'm good. No, but I mean, once you've established those relationships and people know you and like you and trust you, now they they are going to want to know what's different about your life so Mm. you're right we have a lot of things backwards and i love that it grieves you because it should grieve you because what grieves god and what should grieve us right that's what Mm. paul always says i'm praying that we hope that your eyes of your heart are opened we need to open up the eyes of our heart and see things the way god sees them right absolutely i mean that's why i do this show right this is geared toward christians it's toward equipping the saints because it's people people just are not being equipped you know and and they need to be um they need to know the biblical truth they need to know that's what the bible says okay then go do it right nobody's like like you're saying nobody has to have perfect understanding what of uh, what it tells you to do tell you to do it do it you know so you, you know you mess up nope so what you know welcome that's to right, the, i always it. i always say welcome to the human race then you know uh i just think we we, we got the wrong ideas of things well, I got to do this to be holy and I got to do that. And it's like, no, no, you don't know that. Like you were saying, you know, Jesus did it all. If, if we came before yeah. him truly and he's our Lord, mm-hmm. right. And he made us holy already. And that, what, that's it. Well, I'm, I still messed up. Well, so what? 
Yeah, it's called maturing. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's what, what yeah, is. start maturing. That's what sets us apart. You're right. I know you said you're in Texas and I'm in Georgia, but mm -hmm. I want to tell you there's a couple of things that we do if there is anybody listening that's close by. We have two amazing events here in the United States. Uh, that does offer you the opportunity to love him and love them, which is the name of our ministry. And really, that is the whole Bible in one sentence. OK, if mm -hmm. we could figure out how to love the thems in our life that we can't stand, which is the way we do that is by loving God so that God can place the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. But we have a huge event at Thanksgiving. Uh, this year, we'll feed over 5000 homeless, hopeless and homebound people, which is an amazing way to get out into the community. We do it all over the state of Georgia. And provide them with not only a meal on Thanksgiving Day, which is the day that most people don't want to be alone when it's the actual day of the holiday. We also provide them with whatever else they need, laundry detergent, but if they need a home and they're ready to get a home, we can even make that happen. Um, and then we also do another awesome event at Christmas, which is our Night of Hope. And the Night of Hope is for children who have a parent incarcerated because I raised five children who one of their parents was incarcerated. And so on that night of hope, we offer to the, the children, not only the children, but also the guardian family of whoever is caring for them. This is a full circle. We go into the jail. We speak with the inmate. We find out what they want to get the child. We reach out to the guardian family. We have you know dinner, entertainment. We had 12 salvations last year at that event. Amen. And then we stand up and then we video the child getting the, the gifts. And then we stand up that night and we say, we want to provide to you whatever you need to give hope for this child's life. What do you need? Do you need a car so you can get back and forth to work? Do you need a GED? To, do you need something to further your education? Do you, one, one year it was a puppy. <laughs> one of the little kids, their puppy had died in a car wreck. A washer or a dryer, what do you need? You know, one, one, one year a lady's husband had gotten thrown into jail in the middle of him rehabbing her kitchen. So we went in and finished up her kitchen. It's just whatever they need. But then the full circle part of that is we take those videos back through either myself or the chaplain at the jail and we show the inmate their child getting Christmas gifts that we've told the child is from them. And you talk about hardened criminals breaking down and tears streaming down their face and you getting the opportunity to share hope in Jesus with them. It's an amazing event. So we'd love to invite people to come. They can go on our website, reach out to us there at lovehimlovethem.org uh, to become a part of that. I'll, I'll put all the, the link to the website um, all that I'll, I'll definitely put that in the show notes wherever people watch or listen to this or whether they watch on social awesome. media or they listen to an audio podcast all and then the links if you're, anybody needs is going to be there perfect and then if you're thinking oh wait a minute i thought you worked in haiti so right now haiti doesn't have a president we haven't had a president in a year he was assassinated yeah. so we're under complete gang control in haiti i'm literally in negotiations with the gangs uh, to keep our hospitals safe. We've had to hire and put armed guards around several of our different locations. We've had some of our people kidnapped. Our ambulance was kidnapped. It's been an, a horrifically unbelievable experience. We're currently currently doing a campaign for rice. Our, bag, our 50 pound bags of rice have gone from $30 to $200. Uh, just insanity. They're on, actually in some of our areas, we're on, right on the verge of famine mm. because it's horrible. But another way that you can get involved there is we do Christmas joy bags. So love him, love them. We partner with Samaritan's Purse and we do all of the, uh, for those of you who have heard of the Christmas shoe boxes, but there are several areas that those shoe boxes can't get to. So we do joy bags. So that mm. is another thing that you or your family or your Sunday school class could also uh, jump in on. And it's a gallon bag. All the instructions for that are on our website. 
And then one last thing that is a very easy way that doesn't cost anybody a penny is we want your old shoes. We send 2,500 pairs of shoes to the country of Haiti every month. And we just need your old shoes, your used shoes, your shoes you just don't wear anymore. Uh, statistics show that the average American has at least five pairs of shoes in their closet they're not wearing. And we would love to have those shoes. So right. just a couple of ways people can jump in and actually actively participate. Well, I appreciate all that. I appreciate you coming on. We're just about out of time. Uh, so I really do appreciate that. Like I said, everybody out there, I'll put links to the to the website, how you can donate. I'll put the links to the books if you want to buy the books. I do all the work for you, so making it way too easy. So no excuses out there not to get involved, not to get the books, something. Either way. So thanks for coming on the show, Linda. Appreciate it so much. I believe this is going to be a blessing to a lot of people. So uh, with that, we're going to be out. Uh, I will talk to everybody else again.